Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Welcome to Freedom House and welcome to all of our live streamers from all over the United States, from all over the world. Sometimes you just don't realize how big this room actually is, that it's going out to places you just can't even imagine. I love it all over the world right now. Well, hey, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House Church. And for those of you who do not know me, who do not know kind of how we do church around here, I just want to let you know that he is at our Lake Norman campus today. And one of our campus pastors is speaking at our South End location. But what we do is all around the city, we have live communicators. We do not do video venues. Nothing wrong with churches that want to do that and pipe in videos. Um, but here at Freedom House, we wanted live speakers and teachers and communicators that are on every single platform at every single campus. So whether you're joining online, whether you're here in the room, we are so glad that you're here. And we just look forward to getting to know you. And I'm pretty stoked because a couple of things are happening today. First, we are kicking off our seven-day church-wide fast. So here's the thing about a fast. A lot of people think fast is just about removing food from your life, but it's actually not. You can fast anything. One of my daughters is actually fasting YouTube. You know, you can fast social media. You can fast coffee. You can fast Diet Coke. Ah, that's hard. You can remove sugar, whatever it is. It's something that is painful, so you can actually think about it during your week, and every time you feel that, I know there's a lot of our young people that are doing water only. A lot of our young people, and they are substituting the time that they would normally eat. They're just feeding on the word of God and pouring the word into their heart and their life, and that's what it's about. It's not just about removing something, but replacing it with something else. And we don't fast because we're trying to, you know, just get kudos with God. We fast to bring our flesh under submission so we can hear his voice louder and clearer. I'm also excited because today is the second installment of a series that we started called Crossing Jordan. Crossing Jordan. How many of you in your life, there was something that you really anticipated for like a long time and when it came to be, you were just so excited in your heart that, that you just didn't know what to do with yourself. Maybe it was the day you got married. You know? Hopefully it was the day you got married. You were really excited about that. Y'all are looking at me like, oh, this is not a marriage series. Don't worry. Don't worry. Maybe it was the day that you had your first child because you had believed and prayed and just begged God for that child that you now have. Maybe it's that new job that you wanted. If you could just be in that position or get that job, or maybe it's the college that you got into. You just could not wait all your whole life. You wanted to go to that school and you got in and you got accepted. Well, here's the thing about that. With all of the amazing, incredible hopes and dreams, when they are at their highest, there's always challenges that come and accompany those. And so what we're going to talk about today is how do you go from where you are to where you need to be and what rivers we may need to cross in our life. You know, Moses, when he was leading the children out of Israel into the wilderness, I can just tell you because they had been in bondage for over 400 years. The Bible says 400 plus years. 
Could you imagine the night before when he's getting everybody together and he's telling them that this is the day that even though there have been six generations of slavery in Egypt, that this is the day that they're going to come out? Could you imagine what they were feeling? Could you imagine what could have been going on inside of them? But at the same time, a little bit of angst going, oh, well, God, you better be there. God, I hope you, you guys, you know, if, you, if one of those things was parenting, you know, the two-year-old stage, the teenage stage, the thing you dreamed about your whole life, there's accompanying challenges that come with it, right? Yeah, yeah and all the parents said, amen. <laughs> so here they are. They're, they're coming out. They're, they're going into the wilderness. And as they do, they part what's called the Red Sea. Literally, God parts back the waters of the Red Sea, and they go across. For those of you who have ever seen the movie Ten Commandments, yeah, or, or maybe you've just read it in the scripture. That was the first crossing that happened. There was another crossing that happened 40 years after that, and it wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Jordan River. You see, Moses brought people out of Egypt, but Joshua, his successor, took people into the promised land by crossing over the Jordan River. So today, we're going to talk about the Jordan River and what it looks like to cross over, but I thought I'd give you a little bit of info about the Jordan River first. The first thing to know and understand about the Jordan River is the Jordan typically was about 100 feet wide. Now, the time that God asked them to cross over, it was actually at flood stage, so it was larger at any other time. You know, my natural thinking I would just maybe question God a little bit. Why are you taking me across now? Not when it was, you know, all dried up or when it would be really easy. Why are you taking me over now at this point in the game? But God is God and we aren't. So they listened and they did it, right? But if you read the Bible and you look, there's a lot of significant things that happen in and around the Jordan River. There is a scripture that talks about where Elisha is out and they're all chopping wood and one of the guys, the axe head off of his axe flies into the Jordan River and an axe head was extremely expensive, especially in that day and time, and he had borrowed it. So he was very troubled how he was going to get that back because it sunk to the bottom of the river. And so Elisha goes over, throws a stick in, and the axe head floats doesn't really make sense to my brain, but guess what? When God is involved, it doesn't need to make sense. Also, Elijah threw his mantle to Elisha in the Jordan River. Elijah says to Elisha, what do you want from me? And he says, I want two times what you have on my life. So Elijah threw his mantle onto Elisha in the Jordan River. Jesus was also baptized in the Jordan River. You know when John the Baptist baptized him and the dove came down? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Naaman, who had leprosy, Jesus told him to go dip in what river? The Jordan River. Seven times he dipped and his leprosy was removed from him. Today we're going to hear about how the Israelites crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, but can I just tell you, whatever your Jordan is, whatever that thing is that is between you and where you need to be, I believe that you can cross it today. 
So whether you need provision like the axe head, whether you need healing like Naaman, whether you feel there's a call or something specific you're supposed to do like when Jesus got anointed, whether you need freedom like the Israelites, no matter what it is, you want that double portion anointing, it is there when you get ready and you cross over the river. So what we're going to do is we're going to read in Joshua chapter 3, and I'm going to read quite a bit to you, but I want to break some things down and explain them to you as I am reading today. You ready to dive into this? All right, here we go. Joshua 3. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they had camped before crossing over. Imagine, you guys, at this point, they had 400 plus years in Israel plus There's 40 plus years of wandering in the desert. So you're looking at almost 500 years of believing for this. And here they are on the brink about to possess the promised land. Could you imagine what is going through them right at this moment? It says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. It said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, let me explain something to you. Every time that I read or you see the Ark of the Covenant, you are actually, you could replace that with the presence of God. Because in the Old Testament, God could not come and live in people yet because Jesus had not bridged that gap yet to to bring us close into the Father. The price that Jesus paid, the blood that he shed, is what paid our entrance into the throne room, and that had not happened yet. So God could not dwell in the people. God could only dwell among the people. So in this verse right here and in this whole chapter, we're going to read how God, his presence, was actually in the Ark of the Covenant, which was a golden box that Moses had made. And it's where the presence of God dwelt. Also, At this particular time, because again, we're not in New Testament, we're in Old Testament, they were not able to come directly to God. They had to go through the priest. Some denominations still do that today. It's not scripturally accurate. You do not have to come through the priest, through the pastor in order to get to God. You do not have to confess your sins to me. There is an advocate named Jesus who gave you access to go directly to the throne of grace unattain mercy and help in a time of need and you do not have to go through a person when the veil was torn and access was granted to you but we're in the old testament so they could not approach the presence of god like we can today they had to stay back from it let's keep reading and find out what happened it said then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before i want to take you somewhere that you haven't been before. So your former knowledge, your intellect, it's not going to get you there. Only the presence of God, because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. He said, but keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits, which is about 3,000 feet between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Why? We just talked about that. Next, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow The Lord will do great things, amazing things among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests. He said, take up the Ark of the Covenant, which is also what? The presence of God. And pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. The presence of God should always go ahead of us. 
always go before us. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua then spoke to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and all the otherites. He's going to drive all of them out. It says, see the Ark of the Covenant, the what? The presence of God over all the earth will go into the Jordan. Where? The presence will go ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from each of the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and they will stand up in a heap, just like what happened with Moses. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went what? Ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the water's edge. I lost my place. The Jordan. Their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. What's interesting to me is it says their feet. So I naturally was like, okay, does he mean feet? Or does he just mean like their shoes? And literally, it means their feet. Their bare feet went to cross the Jordan River. And me, being curious, wants to know why the feet. You know, because if you're asking me to cross a dirty river, I kind of might want to wear my shoes. But not here. He said, this is your feet going. Your feet needs to touch this ground. Why is that? We're going to keep reading and we'll find out. Says the water piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity, which is the Dead Sea. He was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, which is what? The presence of God, stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. There's a few things that I want you to know and I want you to understand as you are crossing over your Jordan. From where you are to where you know God wants you to be, what are some things we need to know as we're making that cross? First thing, first thing is you can be in the middle of a mess and be completely in the plan of God at the same time. You see, oftentimes what we do is when we go through something messy, when we go through something a little dirty, in our minds we can actually think we're not in the will of God or we're not in the plan of God or we must be doing something wrong. Because if God was in this, it should be fill in the blank. And so why did they not have shoes on? I mean, it would seem to me you'd want to wear shoes in a muddy river where you can't see the bottom. But see, here's the thing. When you're walking in and you're standing on the riverbanks and the mud is squishing up in between your toes, it's kind of like when Moses, when Moses had his encounter with God, God said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground right now. I want you to feel this moment. 
I want you to understand what it is you're standing in, that there's nothing between us. I want you to feel this right now. So when you're in the dirty, mucky mud and you're questioning how you're going to get across because it's at flood stage, how you're going to get to the other side, and you start walking in the mud that was once squeezing up between your toes, you feel it go to dry ground. You see, why did God have it be at that particular stage where they crossed? Because that way no human can get credit. He could have taken him over when it was the, the, the lightest. But he takes him over during the heaviest so they can understand, listen, this is about me. I can do this. I can lead you. Even when you don't get it, even when you don't understand, I got you. So I want you to feel this moment because I don't want you to ever forget this moment. But sometimes when we're in the middle of the dirt, we just think God has forgotten us. Or, or maybe, maybe I've missed the plan of God for my life. Can I just tell you God works in dirt? I mean, Jesus himself. I mean, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why are you going to bring him, birth him in a dirty barn? It was the will of God, right? I mean, we make the manger scene look all clean and nice because it's Christmas. But when you are an innkeeper and you're overflowing, the last thing you're thinking about is making sure that your barn is looking really good where all the animals are dropping stuff, right? When you're surrounded by animals doing their thing, you can't tell me that's clean. But Jesus was right in the midst and the power and the presence of the plan that God had for his life, even though it was dirty. He was laying in a feeding trough where animals, their spit and their nastiness on their mouth were coming and eating from. It wasn't clean, but it was the will of God. Then we have Joseph who had a call of God on his life, a really strong leadership call. The problem is, is that Joseph tried to get out ahead of God a little bit. And because of that, you know, Joseph had some pride he had to work on. And so here he is. He tells his brother really the, the dream that he had, which was a dream from God. But he was trying to birth it prematurely. And, and when we try to birth something prematurely, we're going to give birth to a stillborn. Right? God's timing is our protection. And here he was. He saw the plan that God had for him, but he wanted it now. And God said, nope, you ain't ready for this. You're going to wreck yourself. So his brothers actually got jealous of what they saw, that call on his life. And they ended up throwing him into a pit. A pit is dirty, y'all. But can I just tell you what that pit did? That pit helped develop and shape him. It helped break off things in Joseph that needed to come off. You know, sometimes in life, pit just happens. You're going to find yourself in the pit because pit happens. But it doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. It means maybe there's something he needs to teach you and break you down. So when you do end up at the palace, you won't wreck it. Right? So here's Joseph in the pit. Then he ends up in prison later. God's like, oh, the pit didn't get everything off. He's going to go sit in prison for a while. We're going to get this off of him. And then he can handle the palace. 
See, God loves us enough that he'll put us through a process. He, he doesn't want to destroy us. I've seen enough people that have risen up. They're shooting stars in the body of Christ. I don't want to be a shooting star where you're like, oh, oh, look at her. Look at him. Look at, and they're gone. I want to be a north star that stands the test of time. And in order to stand the test of time, there is dirt that I have to acknowledge that God wants to work out. But it doesn't mean I'm not in his plan. Doesn't mean that I'm not in his plan. I also, I love in the Bible, speaking of dirt, I love where the blind man comes up to Jesus and wants to be healed. Jesus just could have said, bless you, go on about your business. He didn't. He hawks a loogie in the dirt. I mean, he spits in the dirt and he gathers the dirt and he pops it in the guy's eyes. Why in the world did he choose to do it that way? I mean, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't want you to put your spit in my eyes. Even if you are Jesus, I really don't want spit in my face. Why did he do it that way? I don't know. But maybe he got tired of being in a box in the Old Testament. And he said in the New Testament, I'm going to do things unconventional. Because I don't want to be in a box anymore. But we try to do that sometimes. We like Jesus in the box. I wrote this down. Don't negate the purpose on your life because you see the dirt or the problems. God will use those problems to teach you to trust. So when you get to the next level, you'll be able to stick it out. You know, and I've kind of just determined this in my life. You know, when I start thinking about the dirt, I think, okay, I came from dirt, right? Y'all read Genesis, right? Everybody know where we came from? We came from dirt, right? When I die, guess where I'm going to? I'm going right back to dirt. So guess what? Maybe in between there, in the middle, maybe I might have to learn to live with a little bit of dirt in my life. Maybe a little dirt isn't such a bad thing. Speaking of dirt, the next point I want to drive home is that just because you crossed over, you're crossing the Jordan, does not mean that it's just green pastures ahead. Just because you crossed over does not mean there's just green pastures ahead for you. When I had this concept of the series of crossing the Jordan, I pitched it to our creative team. I talked about where you are, where God wants you to be, the promised land that's on the other, other, other side because the Bible says it flows with milk and honey. Well, that's an idiom just to say that, you know, the promises are there for you. And so when I pitch this to our creative team, one of the creative team members says to me, oh, oh, I get it. When we cross over Jordan, everything's just green pastures. I said, no, that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible guarantees us the opposite. I said, how can you look at Jesus getting baptized, ready for his call, and then think that that three years after he got baptized, it was just tiptoe through the tulips, or it was just green pastures or a bowl of cherries? It was not. But that was his promised land. That was where God had called him and anointed him and asked him to be. So it's not green pastures, but what I can tell you is that God will equip you for the call. Whether that's in your business, in your relationships, in your parenting, God will equip you even if you feel ill-equipped. And honestly, what I've learned 
it's actually a good thing to feel a little bit ill-equipped. Because that way, our own natural strengths or our own natural talents or our own natural abilities won't give us a false perception that we're really better than we are. So here, I love this because they're crossing over and it's, it's not going to be green pastures. As a matter of fact, the first thing they have to do is take the largest city, which is Jericho, and its fortified walls are bigger. Nobody had ever defeated Jericho. But God was with them because the presence went ahead of them. And the presence of God is actually what brought the walls down, not because they sharpened their spears or their swords. The presence of God is what brought it down. But it wasn't green pastures. As a matter of fact, what I want to say today is something that I have, a conversation that I have on a regular basis with people in my life. All the time, I get questions about different things about ministry or different things about, you know, corporate America and how do you handle this or how do you do this or how is this. Can I just tell you, there is a relationship between your misery and your mission, your pain and your promise, and it is a good relationship. Most of us, most of us try to opt out of pain, and we think pain is bad because it doesn't feel good. Pain does not feel good, but pain is good for you. Let me explain that to you and just help you get the picture that I'm trying to paint. Pain is actually your friend. Pain is the best teacher you'll ever have. You see, what would happen if you had an abscess tooth but yet you felt no pain. You would never know. You would never be able to go and have it looked after. As a matter of fact, your whole body would actually, you know, get infections spread throughout your body because you didn't know there was something going on in there. Pain is just nothing more than a signal that says, pay attention, something needs you to look at it. That's all pain is. If I had an ulcer in my stomach, I can't see inside my body, but if I had an ulcer in there and there was not pain to signal me, I would not be able to try to find the healing that I need for my body. So pain is not a bad thing. Pain lets you know something needs your attention and you better get it looked after. So when you're having internal pain, maybe anxiety, depression, fear, Anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, malice, whatever you feel inside, pay attention to that. Why, why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling insecure in this situation? Why am I feeling fear in this situation? Why am I feeling anxiety right now? What is going on? You see, it's not there for, for our demise, it's there for our benefit. The problem is, is we often scoot it aside and try to block it out. And God's like, no, 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 that's a signal. You know, it's just a signal to say, why are you feeling that way? Let, let's go to the root here. Because, see, we just keep spending time trying to get rid of the apples on the apple tree instead of going to the root and hitting it off at the root. You know, let's get down and figure out how can we deal with this? Because green pastures are not promised to you all the time. In Psalms it says he will make us lie down in green pastures. But it also says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Both of them are in our future. But we've got to understand when we're walking through pain, how do we still hold on to the promise? Here's the thing. Pain is your friend. It's just an indicator. It's just a signal to you. Pay attention. That's all it is. That's all it is. As a matter of fact, you know, when I'm, when I'm reading this account with Joshua, God never says, hey, when you're crossing over, take your Hawaiian Tropic suntan lotion. You're going to have a good old time. He says, no, no, no. You better be strong and courageous. You better be strong and courageous. Six times. That's what he says. Not, hey, enjoy this you know, easy chair, recliner life. Once you get to the other side, it's a piece of cake. Nope. Be strong and be courageous as you cross over your Jordan. The next thing, we have to check our mindset often as we're crossing over our Jordan. We've got to check our mindset often. Why is that? Because you can't have positive thoughts with a negative mind. You cannot have positive thoughts with a negative mind. A negative mind is the reason why a short journey from Egypt to the promised land was not a short journey. It ended up being 40 years they circled in the desert. Why? Because God said to them, you got some negative stuff going on with you. You're complaining, you're gossiping, you're backbiting. You can't take that with you across the Jordan. So until you get it straight, you're going to stay over here and I will not allow you to cross. Now, not everyone wanted to get it straight. So some of them had to die off in the wilderness, including the leader Moses. Moses actually got a bad attitude and he struck the rock. Now, it doesn't sound like such a huge deal until you understand what striking that rock was. It was a type and shadow of Jesus. He was striking down Jesus. And so God said, because of you doing that, Moses, you cannot go over. You're going to have to pass the baton to Joshua. And Joshua led the group over. But everyone that had a negative mindset died off in the wilderness. They did not go over. They were not allowed to go over. Because you see, sometimes, sometimes our mind wants to only go with what we can see. If you go by just what you can see, you're never going to step into the river because it's flooded, it's swollen. Like some of our issues right now, they feel a little overwhelming, a little flooded, a little swollen up. And we're looking at it with our natural mind, trying to comprehend and understand. And God is saying, check your natural mind at the door. Because your natural mind is not going to take you to the other side. It's not possible. He's saying, listen, but with me, if you just trust me, I will get you across to the other side. And, and I love this. I love this. It says the way we deal with uncertainty says a lot about whether Jesus is ahead of us leading or behind us just carrying our stuff. Which is it? It cannot be about what you see. It has to be about what God said. You know, I, um, I've been doing a, a lot of cooking lately. I kind of go through bouts of where I'll just cook a whole bunch of stuff. And it's the new year, so I've been trying to do things that are low carb. And how many of you follow me on Instagram and been watching all my little cooking stories? Okay, if you're not, you need to watch my cooking journey and just life in general at Penny Maxwell. Like, what are you waiting for? 
So I, I, if you've been watching, I made this huge pot of soup. It was a creamy chicken soup. It's one of my favorites. I know some of you made it because I saw you. Uh, it's, it's the most incredible soup. And so I made a huge pot of it so we could have it for like four days because that's what moms do who work, right? We, we make big batches of stuff so we know people are eating healthy. I stuck it in the outside refrigerator because my, fr my refrigerator inside just wasn't big enough to hold the big pot. So I went out to the garage, stuck it in the outside fridge, closed the door, and was thinking, man, this is going to be a good meal that we're going to eat multiple times this week. Well, a day and a half later, I go out to the garage, and I go to get my yummy soup, and I go to open the door up and notice it's already open by about this much. And I'm annoyed because I know it was one of my children that God blessed me with, bless their hearts. I know it was one of those children, Lord, that you gave me. And they probably were getting a drink or something out of the fridge. They left it open. And so I'm just thinking, oh, they probably just did that. So I proceed to take my huge pot of soup out. I walk in the house with it. I put it on the stove and I heat it up. And after about 15 minutes, I take the lid off of the soup. The foulest, worst smelling thing you have ever smelled. I mean, I was dry heaving. I'm like, Troy, Troy. I mean, I am just gagging. It is so nasty. He's like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, your children did this. Your children. It's your children. So this soup that I had spent, so something that was supposed to be good, something that was supposed to be good for me, if you leave the door open, it's just like your mind, something that's supposed to be good and following after God, if you leave the door open, the devil will come in and pollute every single thing. And then if we're not careful, we won't even know that it's been polluted and we'll bring it into our home. And we'll nurture it and put a little fire underneath of it. And we'll take the lid off. And our whole house is now contaminated. And then we even take it a step further. We serve it up into bowls. And we start giving the negativity to other people too. And now we're all eating the same thing. Now we all got stinking thinking. God said, you can't take that where I'm taking you. You got to get rid of that. Don't follow your natural mind. Follow the presence of the Lord wherever you go. Last thing that we need to understand is we are crossing our Jordan. This is going to sound hard when I say it, and I don't mean it harsh, but I'm saying it to myself too. Last thing, you're replaceable. You're replaceable. In other words, if you don't do what God is asking you to do, it's not like he isn't still going to take people to the promised land. He will raise somebody else up if we opt out of what he is asking us to do. Or if we don't have the maturity to walk the call out. The will of God is going to come to pass with or without us. We just have to decide, God, can you use me too? People, people often ask us because, you know, I think in the early days, people thought that as the church got bigger and things would grow, they, they were surprised. And people even still, many of you come into the church and you are shocked that Pastor Troy and I are always out in the lobby 
always out talking to everybody. We call it have the smell of the sheep on our clothing. We don't sit and hide in a green room. We're not trying to distance ourselves from people. We like to be among the people. That's what good shepherds do, right? And so people often remark to us, man, after all these years, you guys are still the same people. And I say this to them. For those of you who maybe don't know kind of some things that happened early on when we started the church, let me just explain it to you like this. What we learned early on is God told us when we moved here to Charlotte and we started the church, Troy and I were praying. We were on our knees one day. We were just really praying. And God said to us, you weren't my first choice. We were like, I'm, I'm sorry. We just sold everything we have. We moved down here. We don't know anybody, never been here. I'm sorry. Can you try me again? I think you, I think you said something wrong there, God. He said, you weren't my second choice either. Wow. And we're like, okay, like keep going. Like how far are we going to go down this line? <laughs> he let us know you were my third choice. There were two other couples before you guys that I had asked to go and start Freedom House, but they didn't say yes. I will never forget that as long as I live. So can I just tell you this? It is really hard to think you're all of that. It is really hard to think that you you some special something or another. When God's like, you don't act right, I'll replace you. You don't do what I'm asking you to do, I'll replace you. You ain't too good. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. The only reason I am standing up here today is because I said yes. That's it. And if I don't keep my heart right, if I don't keep my attitude right, same with Pastor Troy, I won't still be here. All of us are replaceable and are given the same mandate. Will you say yes? When God asks you to do something, will you say yes? And will you do it with the right attitude? Because I'm going to tell you, sometimes sheep bite. Right? Sometimes sheep bite and I have to keep my heart right. That even if I want to distance myself because I've been hurt, uh-uh, no. Mm -mm, God, you didn't call me to hide. You didn't call me to back away. You didn't call me to be that person that's going to live with a, a badge of hurt on my life. I'm going to totally keep my heart open. I'm going to keep my, my, my skin thick and my heart soft, not the other way around. I also read in the Bible, it didn't make me feel so bad after I read this, but King Xerxes called for Queen Vashti. He said, she said, he said, come, come. He called the queen and she refused to come when the king called. And the Bible says that she was replaced, but there wasn't another queen at the moment that could replace her. So they went and they found an orphan girl that didn't come from the right DNA, didn't come from the right family, didn't have all the training. The Bible says that it took them a year to prepare her just to present her to the king. But it says that that young girl fulfilled the call of God on her life as the queen. She wasn't the first choice. She was the second choice. Her name was Queen Esther. She saved a lot of people and really did some amazing things for the Lord. But she had to say yes when the king called. Will you stand on your feet with me?
You know, many years ago, Pastor Troy and I, it was 22 years to be exact, we were asked, um, not only were we serving in probably 10 or 15 different areas in our church in Richmond as volunteers, but they also asked us if we would take on the youth ministry as volunteers as well. And both of us had full-time jobs. He was a financial planner. I was a banker. And we just are, we were passionate about ministry. And we knew that we needed to just pray and ask the Lord. Because I was pregnant with Colby. I was getting ready to have Colby. You know, my husband was 100% commission. You know, I was at the bank and trying to decide if I was going to stay home, if I was going to keep working. It, it looked like our river was a little swollen. And so when they asked us to do that, I was processing what that might look like. And I remember the Lord just saying, don't process how it's going to look like. Why don't you just ask me what I have to say? And so we said yes. What I didn't know is I didn't know there was this young girl named Christy. You see, Christy was in our youth group and we did a Bible study one night. It was a Friday night. Christy was there. What I didn't know is that Christy was actually there. The intent in her heart was to say goodbye to everyone because Christy was going to end her life that night. She'd already written the note. She'd already planned everything out. She'd already said goodbye to the people she needed to say goodbye to. Had no idea. But that night, being youth pastors in Richmond, Virginia, we were able to pray over this young girl, Christy. Had no idea what was going on in her life. But we said yes, and we were present. What I find so interesting is we didn't even know that story until four years ago, Christy sent a letter to us. She said, I never told you this. She said, please keep doing all you do for God. Please keep doing everything that God set in your heart because you had no idea that that was the night I was going to end my life. And after all these years, I just wanted you to know, now that I'm married and I have kids of my own, and I just thought, man, the power of one yes. One yes can change your life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? If you're in here today and you just say, man, I know there's some things I need to let go of in order to get to the other side. And I really want to take the step into the Jordan and do that today. You, you just know there's some things that, that you just can't take with you. It could be fear. It could be a, a, a mindset that's hurtful or painful. It could be failure. Failure is sitting on you looming in the background could be your past and your childhood that seems like how could God ever use me does he know where I've come from Esther may have had that same thought too I just want to ask you today whether you're in here or whether you are watching online if you are watching online I want to extend this to you as well there's a button there you can click but I want you just to raise your hands if you go, man, there's something I know I have got to let go of. Fear, anger, guilt, shame, resentment. 
anxiety, just lift your hand up real high with me for just a minute. Just say, I know there's something I gotta let go of to go to the next phase. I know I need to do what the Bible says and renew my mind. Let's just take a minute, if you could, and just sing that when the, the praise, yes, that part. Just, just sing this. All you have let the praise go up as the walls come down. That's how the walls of Jericho fell. Just so you know, it was through praise. You got a wall that needs to come down. Hey, you may have never lifted your hands before. And let me just tell you, the devil will use that. He'll say, there's people here. I don't want to do that. That feels weak. Try it. Try, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands up. And just say, hey, God, I'm going to try this, this praise thing. It's just a form of surrender, saying, God, I, I relinquish my will to your will, God. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Swing wide. Swing wide. today we hope you enjoyed this message don't forget to subscribe and hey if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part go to freedomhouse.cc